0: Encouraging people to smile, just give me your best smile. You guys are looking good, high fives. No, no high fives, okay. Sir, so I'm out here encouraging people to smile. He's smiling. Hey, I'm, I'm I'm here getting people to smile. Sir, do you have a couple minutes? No, everybody's, everybody's busy. your way lost your cool then you straight up lost your mind tried so hard to stay ahead but you keep falling behind life is gonna pull you down make it hard to see but a little change in your point of view could be just what you need there's always a reason to always choose joy there's something deeper that the world can't destroy smile when you think you can't smile Get up and dance, smile There's a bigger plan, the storm only lasts for a while So smile Happiness is wonderful but it doesn't stick around Walking on sunshine then here come the clouds You can laugh or you can cry when it all falls apart But I believe the more you laugh, the more you heal the heart. There's always There's a bigger plan and you've got a reason to smile When you think you can't smile Just clap your hands, smile There's a bigger plan
1: Good morning, everyone. I think I got my microphone fixed, I think. I think. All right, I might not be able to move much. But hey, we're going to start with a little activity, and I'm not going to make you get up. I'm not going to make you stand. But I do just want to ask you, and you know, there's some things pastors ask their church people to do, and it just fails miserably, and I know that. Like um, when we ask people to raise their hands in a church service or to um, smile. But let's try it. I just want to see everybody smile. All right. There's a few of you that maybe can work on it. Julie, let's smile. Smile. Come on. Come on. I don't normally say names, but I will say names. Let's on the count of three. One, two, three. Smile. You know, Mr. Fallendorf back there has a sheet of paper in his mouth, and I can still see him smiling with that sheet of paper in his mouth. We all have a reason to smile. And I saw this video this week, and I, I have to say, it's actually one of our church members here at Bloomer Baptist Church that messaged me about this video in relation to a little devotion I put out there on social media. And I just couldn't get enough about, of this video. And I, I must say, I think maybe some of those guys used to be youth pastors because they're really good at ping pong. But just thinking through this video, I love this video because it shows us two things. A, it shows us how... Just people in the world are not used to being asked to smile anymore. When the video first started, and he's just holding up that ping pong paddle, saying, hey, smile, I'm just asking people to smile. And I thought to myself, boy, I'm smiling just looking at his outfit and looking at his ping pong paddle. And yet there's people that were so taken back. They're like backing up from him. Who is this guy? Who is this creep? Am I on like candid video or something? I, I don't know, is this a is this prank? Am I being punked? Whatever. But no, people need to be reminded to smile sometimes. And that's funny, and, and I could ask one of our doctors in here. I think she's back there. But I, I once read an article that said that it actually takes more muscles in your face to frown than it does to smile. Now, I just tried to Google that real fast from my seat to give you the actual number of how many muscles. And my Google search kind of failed me. It was saying that it actually takes one more muscle to frown than to smile. But it said because we generally smile more than we frown, our muscles are more used to smiling. We, our muscles naturally want to smile. Isn't that kind of interesting? How our muscles naturally want to smile, but so often we don't naturally feel like smiling. But that's the natural place that it wants to go. Just a little tidbit there for you, a little a little information. Um, I think it's a good reminder for us that we need to make sure we're thinking about smiling ourselves. We need to be seeking the kindness of God. But we also need to be make sure we're delivering kindness to others. And this does roll naturally into our message that we're in of week two, Redeeming Love, Ruth. And we're in chapter two this week, so please open your Bibles to Ruth chapter two of... Ruth chapter 2. Again, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in front of you. We have Bibles next to you from your peers. And you all have cell phones. Hopefully, you have a Bible app on that phone. But make sure you have the Bible open in one form or the other. If you see a neighbor, here I'm going to do one of those asking somebody something again. Children are dismissed to children's church. Thank you. Children are dismissed to children's church. Uh, I'm going to do one that's asking things again. If you notice that your neighbor does not have a Bible open in one form or the other, then you've got to tap them on the shoulder, and you've got to smile at them and say, you can use mine with me. How about that? So please open up your, your Bibles to Ruth's chapter. I bent over. Bending over is bad. All right, again. My smiles also involve action, action bad this morning. Again, we're in Ruth chapter 2, and in Ruth, my aim is to preach through the book of Ruth in a month. We're in week 2, and we're going to see this redeeming love with Ruth and with Naomi's life. We're going to see also how God is involved in all of our daily lives. Through our tragedies, through our hardships, through our joys, God is always working in the details. And guess what? That helps us to smile. We always have a reason to smile. Ruth, in Ruth, we see that's a story for people who wonder where God is when there are no dreams, no visions, or prophets. Remember, this is in the day of the judges, and they've been going through some harsh times, some rough times. And a lot of this is because of them not following after God as they should. Now, specifically in Ruth, though, we don't see God explicitly speaking. We don't see some prophet explicitly speaking. But what we do see is God, through his providential care, his providential will, his providential workings, he is working in the details. He's orchestrating all this to happen. God is always working in the details. The book of Ruth is for people who wonder where God is when one tragedy after another attacks their faith. It's a story for people who can't imagine that anything great could come out of their ordinary lives of faith. Because you know what? We're all kind of ordinary. We are. We're all ordinary. I have to remind myself that, too, just like you guys, as I shared with you the other week about being at the pastor's conference and seeing some of these pastors that I've looked up to as mentors, or I look up to as I, I see them as biblical scholars, and I appreciate all they've done, and yet... I had to remind myself, hey, just a person, just like me. We're all ordinary people, but God can still use each and every single one of us. Last week, we talked about tragic beginnings in Ruth's faithfulness. Tragic beginnings, which may lead to unexpected blessings. And that blessing, which we saw, was Ruth to Naomi. But we also start seeing how Ruth and Naomi are also going to be blessed and have some unexpected blessings start to come their way. So, even in their tragic beginnings, even in their ten years of struggles, they now can be reminded to smile. In chapter 2, we're going to move on to see the seeking the kindness of God. Ruth and Naomi, especially Ruth, start to go out seeking the kindness of God. But where some of us seek to find things... Maybe, um, maybe Gabe back there is going to say, I'm going to seek to find a million dollars today. Probably not going to find it, is he? They find the kindness of God in many different ways. And we can all find the kindness of God, but we, like Ruth, must be open to finding it. We must be actively seeking the kindness of God. We must be willing to work don't no, misunderstand me, we know God's grace is free, salvation is free, and it's only by Christ, it's only by his love, his, his sacrifice on the cross. But we still need to seek God. Seek God with all your heart and you will find him. Naomi prayed in chapter 1 for Ruth to be blessed for her kindness to her. Now, it was partially when she was trying to push her away, to kick her away. Ooh, don't kick either. Maybe that's just God helping us stay awake. Anybody in here need to stay awake today? (laughs) Hand raised. Acknowledged. We'll keep you awake. But here's what we see. Naomi prays for Ruth to be blessed for how kind she is, how kind she was. And now we're going to start to see those blessings come her way. And boy, oh boy, do they come her way. Let's read. From Ruth chapter 2. Reminder, everybody should have a Bible open in some form or another. Or you can tap somebody's shoulder, give them a big smile, and say, I'll share. All right, Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Boaz. I'm going to stop there. I just want to say, Boaz. Isn't that a fun name? Isn't that a great name? Here, everybody, I'm, I'm asking you to participate today. On the count of three, let's all say Boaz. One, two, three. Boaz. Boaz. That's kind of a manly name. That's kind of a strong name. In fact, we're going to talk about Boaz later, but Boaz's name actually means strong. And Boaz's name is just one of those great names to say. Um, In fact, we all know somebody who attends this church with the name Boaz. I think we would all agree he can be a very strong personality. But he has a love ...for all of you. All right, let's continue reading. Boaz was a worthy man, we see. And in verse 2 it says, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain... ...after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my neighbor. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come. Notice that word, she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Again, part of the field. There's so much here I want to just stop and talk about, but we're going to try and save it all. So she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And he answered, The Lord bless you. Now, that's kind of one of those those smiles, one of those greetings again, Gabe was falling asleep there, so I had to wake him up. So that's one of those those smiles, that's one of those greetings. And what better way to make somebody smile and to greet them than to say, The Lord be with you. Smile. Smolder. Give them a little wink, whatever. That might be a little creepy. But the Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one. But keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping. And go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessel. Then drink what the young men have drawn. Now notice this kindness which is being delivered to Ruth. I mean, this is amazing. Boaz takes notice of Ruth. I mean, he really takes notice of her. Now, we'll talk later, but what we don't know, is it, is it because of the fame that surrounds her? This is a foreign Moabite woman in, in the town, in the area? I mean, we're kind of a small town of Bloomer too, and we sometimes notice people that look out of the ordinary, out of place. I know I look that way one day. I think I fit in a little bit better now, except I don't say enough noise. Or you bet yous. Right? Well, let's let's keep on, though. Um, Boaz, he notices Ruth. Maybe it, was, maybe it was her fame, being a foreigner. Maybe it was her beauty. I, I kind of doubt that at this point. She's been out working the field all day long. It says, I mean, she's got a character of work, too. Maybe that's what it is. He just notices her character, her work ethic, how hard she's working. He says, Who is this woman who's gleaning, who's working, and she's not taking long breaks. She is motivated. Or maybe, maybe God in his providential will again kind of turned his eye to her and makes her notice her. They're seeking the kindness of God, and Ruth is going to find it. So he he addresses Ruth. Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. But he goes beyond the call of duty. He even says, have I not charged young men not to touch you? He's going to protect her. He's going to let her know this is a safe zone for you. This is safe. Don't go anywhere else. Stay here. I will make sure you're safe. And then, if you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. I mean, not even is he providing food for her through her gleaning, through her picking up the grain, but he's also going to provide drink for her. And you're seeing more, much more. But she recognized how, how amazing this kindness was. And she says, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? She thought that she wasn't worthy. She thought that she doesn't matter. She thought I'm just here to pick up the scraps of what other people drop or what other people miss or what other people intentionally leave behind intentionally leave behind because they know that I'm poor, they know that they've it's been commanded of them in scripture to leave things behind. But Boaz answers, All that you have done for your mother in law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord. She is famous, isn't she? He knows what, what she has done, they know what she has done. The people know what she has done, and yet it's kind of like that, that fulfillment of that prayer from Naomi in chapter one, where she tells Ruth, may, or she prays for Ruth to be blessed for her kindness, blessed for her faithfulness. Boaz is going to be the one who helps provide kindness for Ruth. He says, "Of the God of Israel, whose wings you have come to take refuge, Ruth." Is under the wings of God, refuge under God, and part of that's just meaning in the nation of Israel, in Judah, in Bethlehem. Verse thirteen. Then she said, "I have found favor in your eyes, my lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants." You see, she's recognizing that even though she is a foreigner, God's people were careful of her, and that's a great that's a great statement to speak into our lives that. Even though we're not Jewish people, even though we're not people of Israel... ...we are God's people. And God cares for each and every single one of you. But we should be actively seeking Him in our faith. Verse 14. And at mealtime Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied... And she had some left over. So now not only is Boaz providing food for her to pick up grain. Not only is he providing safety. Not only is he providing water. Not only is she, he recognizing and encouraging her for all that she's done in faithfulness for Naomi. But he's feeding her lunch. And not just a little bit of lunch. Not just saying, hey, here's a little piece of bread, but I'm keeping the steak for myself. no. He gives her enough food to satisfy her, and then she even has some left over. How do we give? Do we give in abundance like that? Do we look for people to abundantly give to and provide the kindness of God to? Are we keeping our eyes open? I'm stealing like the whole sermon as I just read, but, but it's good points for you to consider as we read. So let's, let's read again. Verse 15. When she rose to glean... So lunch is over. She's getting ready to go again. Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from your bundles for her and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. Again, he's providing kindness to her that goes above and beyond the law. Verse 17, so she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. I looked that up. That's about 30 to 40 pounds of barley, or about a half a bushel. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? I mean, she's amazed. She's in awe. How did you get all of this? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Now we see that even Naomi, who is obviously not gleaning with Ruth here, even she is seeing this kindness of Boaz, this kindness of God provided to them. And even she, who in chapter 1 talked about wanting her name changed to Mara, which means bitter... She she starts to have her whole attitude, her whole personality start to change. And I can see her going back to that name of Naomi, meaning pleasant, as she is pleasantly surprised by this kindness. So she told her mother in law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter in law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. God's kindness has not forsaken them. His kindness has not forsaken them. Naomi also said to her, The man is also a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. This is who they were hoping to find, hoping to search for. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. So he's going to continue to provide for her day after day. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with, with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So obviously, there were a lot of chances here as, as these poor folk, and they were poor folk at this time. They were in poverty or they were seeking food. They needed food. There was a lot of chances of being, them being assaulted, being hurt, being roughed up in many different ways in fields. And Naomi's saying, Take him up on his offer. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Now, thank you for paying attention to reading God's word. I know that's a lot, but I want to read the whole story to you so that by the end of the four weeks, you know the whole story of Ruth well and you can apply it to your life well. And just thinking over what we just read, I think there's naturally a few things which come out of it. We've already talked briefly about it. But we see one, seeking the kindness of God, Ruth goes searching, and God delivers. So that's one. We see Ruth seeking the kindness of God. God always delivers to those who seek Him. God always delivers to those who seek Him. I'm not trying to be some type of prosperity preacher saying that, You go seeking him, you have a BMW, you have a million-dollar house, you never have any health concerns, any problems in your life. That's not what I mean. But what I do mean is you seek him, and he will provide for you. He will provide himself for you. He'll provide his son for you. He'll provide hope to you. Moving on, number two. We see a kind man goes above and beyond expectations to show kindness to people in need. And this is Boaz. So you can't just say, Boaz, a kind man, shows kindness to Ruth. God uses Boaz to deliver the kindness as they sought. And number three, receiving and delivering kindness in everyday life. We're going we're to see, and we do see, how they receive kindness in everyday life, but we're going to transition from their story to ours and see, how can we receive kindness in everyday life? How can we show kindness? In everyday life. So starting with that first theme. Seeking the kindness of God. I'll have to skip around a little bit. Because I already gave you a lot of stuff. Um, Ruth and Naomi go seeking for kindness. But not just any type of kindness. The kindness of Boaz. Food. God. Possibly redemption. As they know that there are, there is a Kingsman redeemer in this area. There's somebody who can redeem you. There's somebody who can give you a future. There's somebody who can be your husband. There's somebody who can give you and will give you children. But we also know that this is a big area and it might be really hard to find that person. Let's pause here for a moment and talk about seeking. Seeking. You see, seeking is essential for all life and an activity which we share with all living things. If you think about it, animals go seeking. Animals seek food and water. And some of you kids know this from the pets you have in your house. They go seeking after food and water. Maybe you have a dog like mine who will pace back and forth when she's looking for food and water, and we haven't given it to her. And she's seeking it, so she seeks it out in us. Or she starts nudging and moving around her food bowl, her water bowl, and reminds you, I think of Snoopy, who would just, Snoopy the dog, Charlie Brown, would just flip his water bowl, his food bowl, onto Charlie Brown and just basically throw it at him and say, I need food. Animals seek food and water, so do we. Many animals seek acceptance into social groups, like wolf packs, and so do we. Animals, therefore, seek friendships and mates. And although the term may not appeal to you, we do too. We seek many other things, though, in life as well that maybe human beings don't have in relation to animals. We seek jobs to earn a living. We seek to purchase homes. We seek to purchase groceries and food to provide for our families. We seek to, to be morally good people and spiritually good people. And we seek to be fulfilled in all these things. But with all of these things thought of, the most basic thing that we seek The strongest search of all for all of of creation, I believe, not just humans, but also animals, is that search for food. Now back to chapter 2. That was all for a purpose. You see, Ruth and Naomi are seeking food. Ruth and Naomi just returned from a foreign country. If you remember the tragic beginnings, they have no husbands, no family, no possessions or money to speak of. And they are poor, they're impoverished, and in need of food. They arrive in Bethlehem in great need of kindness. Kindness to receive many of the same things as us, but most importantly, their first need was food. So Ruth tells Naomi, I'm going to go glean in this field. God would slowly start to put their lives back together through the active faith that Ruth had. Ruth had an active faith to follow after Naomi in chapter 1, and now she has an active faith to go searching after the kindness of God and looking for the provisions that they needed. God would work it all out. But she worked. She worked and she worked from morning to evening, just a little shelter, a small rest maybe on the side of it, and she would be noticed... And God would provide for her through his providential care. Gleaning in the fields was a provision of God alone. Let me read this to you. The corner of the fields, this is, a, is an Israelite, or I'm sorry, a law of Moses. The Israelites were commanded by the law to be merciful to the poor. The corners of the fields were not to be reaped. And the sheaf accidentally left behind was not to be taken away according to the law of Moses. They were to be left for the poor to glean. And there's similar laws which were given regarding vineyards or olive, the olive yards. Gleaning was hard work. And it may not have been the same as begging or pleading for food. But it was still pretty lowly. If you were there gleaning, people knew that you were probably poor and in need. But God still provided this providential way for his people to be provided for. And it also allowed these people some dignity of respect to be able to work for their food and not just be handed handouts. Ruth was going to seek food through this godly provision of kindness for his people. But it's not just the beginning. Next, uh, number two, we see a kind man goes above and beyond expectations to show kindness to God's people. To show kindness to Ruth. Boaz and Ruth, they finally meet. And it just so happened to happen. Again, notice that scripture, as you read, that says, And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Now, I I still believe this be part of God's providential care. God guided her. But I don't believe there was any signs, no stoplights, no directions, no maps posted. Go this way to Boaz's field. Go this way to your kinsman redeemer. She wasn't a native of this land to know where she was going. And also notice, I believe this type of farming was very different back then. It's not like Scott Culver back there has probably 1,500 acres or more that he farms. It says the part of the field that belonged to Boaz. This may have been kind of like a community gardens where she'd have to know which section he was planting in, which section she she needed to go to glean from. But she just happened... ...to go there. She happened to go there. Um, Ruth would soon meet Boaz. And I can only imagine kind of the, the angel singing hallelujah in the heavens... As, ...as this would in the end provide our Savior, Jesus, through the lineage of Boaz and Ruth. This had to happen for our redemption. And God makes it all happen. He orchestrates it. So enter Boaz to scene... Notice, Boaz greets his workers with a smile, he said probably, and says, The Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. Boaz goes beyond the common practice of how to greet workers. Boaz goes beyond the common practice of how to provide for the gleaners, for people. And it does not take Boaz long at all to notice Ruth. Now, as we talked about, this could be for many different reasons... But I did find one interesting point that says, Boaz had eyes trained to see the worth of a woman's character by her courage and faith, not merely by her ethnic background, body, or beauty. And why? Well, he learned it from his family background. Boaz's mom was Rahab, the prostitute who bravely caused Joshua's spies to safely escape Jericho because she believed in Yahweh. He comes from a background which knows that sometimes God uses ordinary people. Sometimes things might not seem how they look. And sometimes God wants you to be kind to the people who you may not be naturally inclined to notice, to talk to, to associate with, or to give to. Which begs me the question to ask. Do we have our eyes open to those in need? Can we see past their experience, their appearances? Past their experiences, past their past, and see their current character, their faith, their courage, and maybe the future that God wants them to have. Do we have our eyes open to the people God puts in front of us? Do we see them as a fellow human being? Do we see them as a brother, a sister, or are they just a foreigner to you? Let's keep looking to Boaz, though, and how he treats Ruth. Look at all this kindness. Boaz takes great notice of her gleaning or hard work, and he tells her, if you need water, if you're thirsty, get this water. But then he even invites her to lunch. He satisfies her with more than enough food, not only for her then, but for her to take home and provide for her later. And then he goes above and beyond her gleaning, and he purposely tells his workers to pull a little extra out. And leave it for her that she might gather more. Boaz is a kind man. But that's not all. You see, Boaz's name is said to mean strong. In other, in other commentaries i found it say to, it's mean to be a man of valor, valor, valor. A man of great strength. Boaz was most likely a wealthy man in charge of these people. As well as we know from scripture he was a worthy relative. Boaz. Boaz is a good example of a godly man that we can learn from. But not just men, women, we can look to both Ruth and Boaz for characteristics that we can learn from and we can imitate. Especially single men, too. Single men can look to see how you should treat a woman with respect. How you should take care of her and make sure she's safe. He watches out for Ruth, tells her to only glean on his field so that he can make sure she's safe and provided for. But then also we see he's a kinsman redeemer who will pursue her and provide for her through redemption. Like Christ, for us, provides redemption to God. He would be her redeemer. To be a kinsman redeemer in the Old Testament would need three things. One, blood relationship. Blood relationship This Boaz was related to the clan of Emelech, possibly even his brother. He had to have the necessary resources to provide for this person... ...if he wanted to redeem her and take her into his family. He also had to have the willingness to buy, as we'll see later on. And again, very different culture back then. We'll talk about this in a future chapter. But Ruth just so happened, just happened to stroll onto his field meets Boaz, begins to find provision and hope for a brighter future. God's sovereign hand of blessing is seen in the way Ruth is treated. And the kindness that Ruth was seeking, she finds in this man of Boaz. Boaz is a kind man who delivers and answers the prayers of Naomi for her to be blessed. Now, I've got to skip. I've got to move on here to my third point. You see, we can show kindness... And we can receive God's kindness. But we must be active in our faith. We should be contagious Christians. And I want to show you an example. I'm going to try not to buzz with my microphone too much. I want to show you an example of how we might be contagious Christians. Of how we might show kindness to God's people. And this will also show you ways that you need to receive some of these kindnesses too. But let me just read to you one example... I put this up here just as a visual. I didn't know if you'd be able to read it clearly. But this comes from another church, another pastor. And I just saw this. I said, I love this. I've got to share it with you. So let me read it to you. It says, Bessel Friends desires to fulfill the Great Commission through being contagious Christians. Did you know last year part of our vision was that we would touch 1,000 lives with the gospel? 1,000 lives. Let me tell you, this church is only a church about 100 or so average attendance. So that shows you, we can do it. It's not as hard as what you think. One person at a time, but let's continue on. It is likely that you are touching lives with the gospel every day in positive ways, and you may not even realize it. So we are interested in sharing different ideas of how people can share Christ's love with others through acts of kindness and generosity. Maybe you prayed with someone who was having a hard day, Maybe you smiled and opened the door for someone. Let me skip forward. It says that we would like to collect a list of ideas that many of, you, of what many of you are, are doing from day to day, and that will help the whole church body to have ideas of how to be contagious Christians, how to show kindness to God's people. So this is one, one little pamphlet they put in their bulletin. And they said, people, let's come up with a library of ideas And I want to read to you this guy's idea. I bought a child's bike and drove to downtown Youngstown and knocked on the most dilapidated house. It says, boarded up windows, trash everywhere. And I asked if there was a six-year-old I could give a bike to. She came running to the door, the child, and said, Daddy, this is the bike I wanted. The man said, who told you to do this? And I said, God and left. It's a pretty powerful story. And not all examples, not all ideas are that powerful. I mean, he didn't know there was a six-year-old child there, but there she was. And not all of us can just go buy a $100 bike and deliver it to somebody. I will say I went snowmobiling with Ron Harris last week, and I saw that he has a hobby of fixing up old bikes, and I think he's going to this spring have to get rid of like 20 bikes. Maybe that's an idea. But here's the point. We can and all should be challenged to do similar acts of kindness to people. We need to make sure we keep our eyes open and not overlook the people that God puts in front of us. Boaz so easily could have overlooked Ruth. Boaz so easily could have just gone to work with his workers and ignored the gleaners. But Boaz would be the person who would show the kindness of God to Ruth. And we can be too. So I want to ask you people to do something. I've asked you to do a lot today. There's one more thing you can do. All of you on the ends of the aisles here at the center can look beside you and see a stack of cards, note cards. I want you to pass them down to your rows. I believe I only put five per row, but maybe you can tear off a little piece of your bulletin. And I want you to use the pencils that are in the pews. Or maybe you have a pen. Maybe your neighbor has a pen. If you need it after I get done done talking, I have extra note cards up here. I have extra pens up here. And here's what I want you to do. I want us to do something similar. I want us just to think of one way that you can show the kindness of God to somebody. That you can be a contagious Christian. That you can show kindness like Boaz showed kindness to Ruth. And this doesn't mean it all has to be big things. I think that we show kindness in stages, in stepping stones, just like how we talk to people about Christ and how we share our faith with them. Sometimes we don't just go right up to them on the street and say, you're going to hell, you need Jesus to be saved, you can have hope. Sometimes it involves just being kind to them and building a relationship with them and building up trust with them. ...so that you can have that opportunity to talk with them. Sometimes it starts with just returning somebody's grocery cart... ...giving them that smile and saying good morning, good evening, have a good day. Sometimes it goes to a next step, delivering a witnessing track... ...or asking somebody if you can pray for them. Sometimes, and very often, we should make sure we go all the way though and ask them... ...and maybe it's even asking them, hey, I've been thinking lately... ...what do you think happens when you die? What happens to your body? What happens to your spirit? And that can bring up a conversation, but we need to make sure that we are purpose to also ask people, who is Jesus to you? Would you like to follow after Jesus as Lord and Savior? Let me talk to you about this guy named Jesus. Don't allow the excuse of, why just live my life as a kind person loving God's people to be an excuse to never actually tell them about Jesus. Let's start now. So I I gave you these pieces of paper, and here's the simple idea. Write down an idea of how you can share the kindness of God with one of God's people this week. How you're going to keep your eyes open to the people God puts in front of you. You see, we all need a Redeemer. Praise God, we have that Redeemer. But we all need Jesus. And we can thank Him for being a Redeemer and showing us the kindness of Christ. But we too can show kindness to others, and we too need to show kindness to others. Here we see, and we'll continue to see more, Boaz as a great representation of Christ, a redeemer to Ruth. And it helps us to picture how Christ redeems us, how Christ shows us a kindness that he did not need to, that we did not deserve, and yet he showed us this love, yet while we are still sinners. You know what? We also see from this, and I'm wrapping up. I've got one, three statements left. Everyone is able to be redeemed. Even Ruth, a Moabite woman, a poor woman, a foreigner, was able to be redeemed. Somebody who worshiped false gods like Chemosh. Ruth, this woman can be redeemed, and so can you. So can your worst enemy, that person you have in your back of your mind saying, Pastor Patrick, don't tell me to show kindness to this person. That person needs that kindness. That person needs to see the kindness that God gives. That person needs to see Jesus. Those pieces of paper that you write, a way to be kind, a way to be a contagious Christian, a way way to show people the love of God, all you got to do on your way out is leave them sitting on your pew, or collect them, or if you accidentally take them with you and put them in the offering box there at the doorway... Or at the offering box in the missions room. Or hand them to a deacon or an usher. We'll make sure they get them to the right place. And we're going to gather these together and type them up. And come up with a library of ideas for us to reach a thousand people. For God's glory. For God's glory. Let me close in prayer. And I'm actually not going to do the closing song because it is time to end. Thank you for your time. Let's, Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for this great day that you've provided, a beautiful day. And we thank you for your kindness. That means we can smile. Lord, we can smile even as that song reminded us. And maybe that's just how we start it. Remind people to smile because they have a reason to smile. Lord, maybe we need to do something crazy and like those guys in the video, play some ping pong in downtown Bloomer and just invite people. Hey, you want to play some ping pong with me? We're just having fun and causing people to smile. But Lord, may we also not overlook the people you put in front of us. May we not be afraid to go out of your comfort zone, our comfort zone. Because as I was reminded this week by one person, God is always with us in and out of our comfort zones. Lord, may we be willing to go all the way and tell people about your love and about our sin and about how we too can be redeemed. Amen. Amen.